First of all, I want to tell everybody, every man that's in here that's a daddy, happy Father's Day. Amen? For me, it's a... Um, for me, on Father's Day, it's kind of a bittersweet moment because uh, I, I don't have my dad on this earth anymore. And so that sometimes I wake up and on a day like this and I just want to call my daddy and say, man, you're a great man. And I called my stepfather this morning, just had a great conversation with him, talked to my, my spiritual dad, Pastor Jacob, and uh, we just had a great moment. And uh, just want to wish all of you happy Father's Day. But I have some of my sons in here this morning with me. Pastor Zach, stand up. This is my, my, my oldest son that I love and I just appreciate. And I have my second son, stand up, Andrew. Uh, he's working at the Lake Charles Church. He's a director of outreach, so proud of him. And, and then where's my son, Nathan? Is he hiding in the bathroom? Mm-hmm, he's busted. Where did he go? Okay, someone find my son and tell him to get in church. Thank you, Samuel. And... Uh, so anyway, I just want to thank y'all, and I couldn't have done it without my beautiful, precious wife. I couldn't be a father. Amen? So Tracy, would you stand and just wave to everybody just how beautiful you are and all that. And just uh, very grateful. But this morning, I do want to wish you, you know, Father's Day greetings. But this morning, I really want to, I'm going to talk to the men this morning. Is that all right, ladies? But it's not your typical Father's Day, you know, story thing. Really what I want to do is I want to talk about the clarity of being a man and what it means to be a man of God. And, you know, as I thought about this, you know, I just, I just began to think of a lot of things and each man and dad here today, I just want to help bring clarity or give you what clarity means to make things real clear. If things, you know, I've heard it said like this, if, if, uh, if there's fog in the pulpit, if there's a, no, there's a mist in the pulpit, there's a fog in the pews. So I, wanna, I don't want you to have a fog this morning. I want you to understand where I'm going and what direction I really believe God's calling us to go as a church. Amen? And so this morning, I mean, and I'll just say this. It's been, it's been four weeks since I preached here at the, at the church. Last week I was in Eunice, and let me tell you, we had a, a great time. They had an attendance record, everything else. So God's doing great things at our Eunice campus. And God just brought some great, great, great people there. The thing I love, let me just, I just want to challenge you. It's a rainbow over there with people. It's not just serious honky church. Can I just get on the honkies here? You know what? How many of you believe that? There you Hey, son. How you doing? It's good to see you. All right. Uh, you know, one of the things is, is that what we want as a church, we want a reflection of what our city looks like. Amen? And we want, we want people of color. We want people of uh, different backgrounds. I mean, we want African-Americans. I definitely want Hispanics because if you go to Walmart on weekends, it's all, I mean, you can have an, anybody speak Espanol? Paquito Espanol, anybody in here? If anybody speaks Spanish, let me tell you, we need to start a Spanish ministries, a Jacano ministries, come on, brown power up at Walmart. I'm telling you, you could reach, I'm just telling you, the, the, the city's ripe for a Spanish church. I'm telling you. And I'm just believing God that God would send us someone that knows more Spanish than I do. I can get to a baño. I can get, you know, there's a few things I can do in Spanish. I can speak. If I'm hungry, I go taco burrito, you know, all that stuff. And 
you know, and I can do that. But, you know, I'm really believing God for something. And I think I'm excited about what Paradise Park and the outreach we're going to be doing. And if you've just been praying, listen, there's one thing to pray. I mean, you know, there's one thing to pray. And there's another thing just to act. And sometimes, well, I'm praying. I've had people come to me as a pastor. Go, you know, pastor, I'm really praying about it. And I go, well, that's good. I've already prayed. You need to do it. Amen? And so, listen. We've already prayed. If you're thinking that you might want to do it, you probably need to do it. So that's all the commercials I have. Amen? And so this morning, what I want to do is I want to make it clear that we learn to stand in the responsibility God has given us as men, as husbands, as fathers. If you speak a man's language, you speak a woman's language, you speak a child's language, they talk differently. You know, the way a man spells intimacy is this, S-E-X. I mean, we know that, women. It's like the occasion lady I heard many years ago. She said, all them men, they the same, Pastor. They bark all day, but they meow at night, yeah. <laughs> and the way a woman spells intimacy is this, T-A-L-K. Talk. They just want to talk. And when I get with newlyweds, I said, you know, the most important thing, listen, is a man, and I go, do you have a real strong desire to be intimate with your wife? And men go, oh, yeah, I got it, Pastor. Cause, and, and then... And, and I said, well, as much as you want that and you desire your wife, think about this. Does, do you have a strong desire for that? Oh, yeah, I'm strong, Pastor. I go, well, that's good. But let me tell you, your wife has the same desire, and it's in talking. Amen, ladies? I'm trying to help. Come on, don't give me a moment of silence. And you know what kids spell intimacy? T I M. E time. I read a great quote this week and I thought, man, it's so good. It said this kids, children want your presence, not your presence. Can I say that again? Children, men, they want your presence, not your presence. And see, they want they want time with you. They want, they, want to, they want to build that relationship. See, God's plan for our fathers to do life and spend time within their domains that earn us the privilege to teach our children things about life. You know, there's certain things I love to do as a hobby, and that's where I need to invite my sons. And some of my sons don't like to hunt. You know, they, don't like to, they all like to kind of fish. But, you know, like, they'll, they'll tell me this as they get older. Well, I'll go hunting with you in the afternoon. You know, the only one I can get up in the mornings really is Luke, you know. And he's so eaten up by it. But when they were all young, they would get up early. But as they got older in high school, you know, and you well, I'll sleep in. You know, I'm, I'm already, you know, trying to brainwash my grandsons, you know. You know, uh, Eli had, had a, little, a little procedure, a little surgery this week. And I bought him a hat, you know, a little hunting hat. I'm like, I'll, I'll say, you know, I'll just, you got to start young, Amen. And so Luke's all excited that Eli's going to come because he knows that Eli's going to be the new retriever. So I can't, I can't wait till Eli goes and gets the geese, Daddy. So, but one thing all men need, listen to me, men, is vision of what and who they're supposed to be and how they're supposed to act. When you look on TV, it gives you a false picture how you're supposed to be, how you're supposed to act. I mean, if you watch the, and I don't watch this, but if you watch The Bachelorette, I've watched pits of it, and I thought, no way. 
But they want you to have this certain look. You got to act kind of suave and you got to have it together and all that stuff. And it's the way you look on the outside. Come on. Am I talking right, women? And, and it's like it's not about that. It's really, it's really what's inside of a man. You know what every young man wants? He wants an older man in his life to help him, to give him direction in his life, to give him purpose. You know, I believe the greatest gift that God gives is, as men is, is us being a father. And I believe that in our church, in our movement of men, God's given us a spirit of a father. God's called me as a pastor to be a father to people. I'm not your daddy, but I, God's called me to have a spirit of a father on me, to father men, to help them, to give them correction in their life, to bring direction in their life so they know where to go, how to act. You don't do that with your wife. You don't act that way. You don't be that way. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And I, I don't want control over your life. I don't, I'm not talking about that. But what it means and what it looks like to be a man of God, when someone's in trouble, you stop and go, hey, why don't we just pray? Before you leave home, you know what? You know what? I know this. Before I leave home, many mornings, I can't say every morning, but many mornings, I'll grab my wife and I'll hug her and I'll go, you know, I'll just start praying. i put my hand on the back of her head and I'll say, God, I pray that you would be with her. You would protect her. You would encourage her today. The enemy may come, but I pray that you would just, for, you would just mess up the enemy's plans over her life and her heart today. And I pray your protection and your grace over her life. I look at her. I love you, babe. Have a great day. What does that do? You know, I mean, she walks out. I mean, she feels like she can attack the world and even meet the devil in hell with a water pistol and put the fire out. Amen? Because you're just injecting something that they need because every woman deals with insecurity. Every kid's looking for purpose. Every child's looking for direction. And listen to me. Your sons and your daughters are looking to you, Dad. You know, my wife gave me a statistic in, in, uh, this week, and it said this. This was wild. It says, children that their mothers that serve the Lord, after they graduate high school, 30% of them will probably serve the Lord. But if a man, a father, is a godly man and he serves God with his whole heart, listen to me, 70% of all the children after they graduate high school serve the Lord. Don't think, men, because we think, well, you know, listen, you know what my greatest desire is? Look at me. I want to tell you something. My greatest desire is that God would raise up godly men in this church. Why? We need godly men. We need, I don't want to, listen, women, don't be offended. You feel the glory of God when you got a lot of women. Come on. But you know what? You want to experience the power of God when you got men that rise up. Amen? Rise up and say, you know what? I don't want to play games. I don't want to false advertise. I want to be the real deal. Amen? Am I speaking to anybody here yet? And so if, I'm, if I seem like I'm like serious this morning, can I just make a claim? I am serious. But see, this morning, one thing all men need is that vision. What is vision? It's a mental picture of a preferable future. What, that is what vision is. You and I meet many people every day in our lives that have the ability to see, and yet they lack vision. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I mean, my cousin's here, brother, he's wearing an eye patch. And, and the reason he's wearing because he's seeing double. And I was like, well, I, told, I told his wife, have him write a check out this morning and tie. <laughs> and, 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 you know, but he's saying, man, it'd be good to go duck hunting. He goes, I'll, get, I'll see two ducks with everything, you know. I said, well, that means you might get twice your limit. I don't want to hunt with you. But anyway, 
But the thing is, is that, you know, this morning is we need people that you're not just, not just about seeing, it's about having a vision, a purpose. See, a man, you know, the thing I love, I see when men, I love to see when men start bettering themselves. I love to see when men begin to step out. I've seen each of my sons. They can't live by my faith and my walk with God. they got to find their own walk with God. Are you hearing me? And when they find their walk with God, they have a personal, intimate relationship in their lives. All Tracy and I did was point a direction to walk. Are you hearing what I'm saying? All I can do is try to live the example. Have I failed? Absolutely. But I've also come and said, I'm sorry. Will you forgive me? And see, I love it when I see a man bettering himself at a job. He says, you know what? And he just gets a promotion. Because he might have started out. I've, I've learned this. If you're a man, if you start out, listen, the only thing God ever blesses in a man's life is faithfulness. Say to me, say faithfulness. If you're faithful to show up and sweep a shop on time when you're supposed to and give 100%, one day you'll run that shop. If you're faithful. You know what bosses are looking for? If you can sh- a guy that can show up on time. A guy that can give a a full day's work. A guy that can show up. A guy that can be honest. A guy that can be real. Those guys will be elevated. You see, Abraham Lincoln stood in 1863 to give the Emancipation Proclamation. And he had a vision that that, that that would free the slaves in America. A hundred years later. In 1963, Martin Luther King Jr. stood up at the Lincoln Memorial and expressed his vision for America that he'd see white children and black children and the children of ethnicity begin to work together, play together, you know, live together in harmony. And what happened is it started out with a guy that had a vision 100 years before and the very reality, a farmer slave stood on those steps and made a proclamation that had a vision. You know what? My vision for my children is not that they would just go where I am. I want them to go beyond anywhere I've ever been. Are you hearing me? Am I making sense here this morning? So here's it is. Why do men need a vision? Here's, I want to give you a couple of reasons. I'm glad you're asking these incredible questions this morning. Thank you. Proverbs, you know, why do, why do you need a vision? It provides purpose for your life's journey. You know that all of us are on a journey in life. Every one of us are on a journey. I'm on a journey. I'm on a journey that I'm actually believing God to overcome cancer. Amen. I had my ninth treatment this week. Uh, I ran four miles yesterday. I mowed. I weed eated. I washed my truck and all that. And I'm like, my wife's going, you need to be, baby, she is concerned for me because I get tired sometimes. And she said, man, and I'm like, baby, you don't understand. I just feel normal. I, f- I love getting blood flowing through me. Amen? Too bad it's not duck season. I'd be full on claiming things out of the air. Wait for this year. They, they, they don't know what's coming. I'm mad. Devil try to rip me off a of hunting season. I'm mad. But see, it provides. See, the, the thing, a vision provides purpose for your life. It's a journey. And see, you know... The cool thing is I had a couple of guys bring me this past week for my treatment. Uh, Billy and uh, Jared, they dropped me off and kind of hung out with me. And they get to meet some of the people that I pray with and I share with. And they had one lady in there this, this week. And she was just like, oh. You know, and they're sitting all around. And, and, and I'm about to get up to go to the restroom. And I got this little thing that shoots the medicine in me. My power port. And she gets, she's like, 
She's been dealing with cancer for a long time. And she goes, you know, we kind of lived our life, and our, kinda, our time's up, and, you know, we, I'm, I'm kind of ready to go. I stood up on that thing. I said, listen, I'm not ready to go anywhere. I'm ready to live this life. And they had another lady. She's on, on her second to last year. Going, me too. You ain't put me in the grave before I need to be there. There's purpose. Amen? There's purpose. See, I love what Proverbs says. Listen to what it says. When people do not accept divine guidance, they run wild. How many of you look at our government? It's just running wild. Politicians are always fighting. They can never, you know, if you're looking for the political world to bring you hope, forget it. But see, when you look at it, there's two categories. You can, either be a re- you can either be reactionary or you can be visionary. What do you mean? A reactionary, they react to situations and circumstances around them. How many of you are talking about? How many of you sometimes you react? You hear bad news and you go, ah! The kids are at the ditch. At the ditch, they'll drown! They react before anything happens. You know what I mean? I'm, What? Oh, my gosh. Instead of freaking out. Come on. See, my mom never was kind of freak out. Yeah, he almost killed himself. Well, is he okay? But I've been around people. Like my grandmother, she, she like, I'd go to my aunt's farm. She had a really nice farm. Ever heard of Ham Reed Road in Lake Charles? My uncle was Ham Reed. And, and before they broke all that property, that I used to, that was a beautiful farm. And, and I used to go there, and my aunt and my grandmother had part, partly raised me. And I'd go on that farm, and they had chickens and geese and ducks and long, uh, what are the, uh, the, huh? Peacock. Peacock, yeah. <laughs> you know, she had peacocks, and she had uh, those uh, cows that had the long, Texas longhorns, okay? Is that what they're called? Come on, me, come on men of cattle. I don't want to sound like a wimp, you know what I mean? I don't know. And I remember she'd go there, and we'd go, I'm going on a walk. And she goes, oh, you better get a stick. Why, Nene? They got snakes everywhere. And so we had to get our snake stick. And if she would walk with us, she'd be hitting the ground. I don't know what she, how she was raised. She was raising, you know, and I'm like, get your snake stick. Get your snake stick. And then if you saw a snake, you know, as a boy, what do you do with a stick? Do you run? No. It's like facing the giant. You go, I'm going to kill a snake. And if she sees a snake, she goes, ah, run. Get the snake stick. My brother Todd and I, we like, opportunity, kill a snake. It was like the other day, Miss Margie, where's Miss Margie? She in here. She was cleaning in the back and a cotton head. Was that, no, was it a cotton, no, it was, no, what kind was it? What was it? A copperhead. Literally, she's cleaning the door, and there's a copperhead snake at the top of the door. And she, you know what I mean, Miss Margie's from the bayou. And it comes, it kind of comes down, and she closes the door real quick, and the snake gets caught. And I remember, I mean, I'm like, I'm like and she comes over there, I, I don't know, but it was spitting some stuff. It's a bad snake. 
So I go over there, and Denny comes over there with me, and we cut the head off and all that stuff. And I told Alex, you know, she'd gone to Africa for almost a year. And I said, hey, Alex, uh, can you go get that snake down from the window and go clean the blood up where it kind of dripped and everything? I mean, you've, you've been in Africa. And it was so funny. She comes back. She goes, Pastor Bubba, I can't touch that snake. I said, all right, we'll go get the snake. You see, the difference between the reactionary person is that they see a snake, they scream and run, or they think the worst. A visionary sees them killing the snake, showing off the snake, and ready for another snake. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But a visionary is someone who, who relies on revelation. What does that mean? Water, you know, you see, Peter, remember, here's his example. Remember when Jesus said this? When they came to get Jesus and Peter, what did he do? He got a sword out, a reactionary, and he cut the guy's ear off. And cut the guy's, whoa, you imagine? That'd be a great movie, you know what I mean? They never show that in the Jesus films. You know, you're like, that, that's like action. Come on, any men want to vote for how we make the next Jesus film? I mean, he's just like, cuts the guy's ear off. But Jesus said this. What did Jesus say? He who lives by the sword will die by the sword. He said, you want a vision, son? You try to live by that, you'll die by it. And see, we need to see beyond just what, how we react. We need to just take control and say, all right, God, you put me in this situation. I need to respond. You see, the second thing... What vision does, it clarifies direction or movement. You know that water needs movement so it won't become stagnant? It needs movement. And you see, Proverbs 24, 25, it says, Look straight ahead. Fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet. Stay on the safe path. Don't get sidetracked. Keep your feet from following evil. See, if you focus on wickedness, if you focus on doing things that you shouldn't be doing, can I just make you a problem? You'll pollute your heart. If you don't want stinking thinking, come on. How many of you want stinking thinking? What's stinking thinking? It's, it's just things you're thinking about, you're dwelling upon, that you really don't need to be dwelling upon. How many of you ever dwelt upon something that you really didn't need to dwell on? Anybody besides me? My hairs are rise, rising up. Okay, all of us have dwelt on things. Some of us dwelt on fear. Some of us dwell on things we shouldn't be, you know, be putting in our minds. You know, and it's like, that's how, when you focus on that, that's what it's saying. Fix your eyes. Don't fix your eyes on, on things that you shouldn't fix your eyes on. Don't try to be like someone else. Be what God's called you to be. You see, if you keep your eyes on the Lord, you become like Him. See, the way you keep your heart, Here's how you keep your heart. It's real simple. Let me just explain. Watch your step. Watch your steps. How many of you want to have a heart that, that, that's pleasing to God? Watch your steps. That's all it is. Just watch your step. Just watch your step. Watch how you walk in life. What kind of decisions you make. Because that is really what will show you who you are and where you're going. Listen, I've learned this. If I walk with godly men, they will influence me. If I make steps with them, the reason, I mean, you know, we can go, man, this is a great building and all this. But I've had other men before me 
that have greater faith in me, that have always been a great example, that I want to believe God for greater things. Amen? See, God hadn't called us just to reach the city. God's called us to be a regional church where we touch a region. Amen? Come on. How many of you know, Mo, you know, Mermital needs Jesus? How many, you know, Klondike needs Jesus? Gaydon needs Jesus. Hathaway needs Jesus. Welsh needs Jesus. Come on. Jennings needs Jesus. Lake Arthur needs Jesus. Come on. We can go down the list. Andrew's Cove. We can go all the little coves and everything. God's Cove. All of that. They all need Jesus. And what we need to do is we need to focus on the step that God's called us to take. See, if you're looking for Pastor Bubba to make all the steps, you're looking at the wrong person. God's called me to step a certain way and walk a certain way and guard my heart, but he's calling you to walk in a way. He may be calling you to walk to Paradise Park. I'm not literally walk there, but walk amongst those kids and just minister and love them and be Jesus' hands, be his feet, be his mouth, be his eyes that looks into a kid and just loves him, to be a hug. You don't know what that means for some kids. Right here in our city. You know, our, our kids went on a mission trip this past couple weeks ago to Waco. They didn't know what they were getting into. They had to go there. This is what's cool. They got there. Pastor Jack tricked them. Did you? He didn't know either. But they got there and what they were going to do, they had to go and they had to, they got there and what they did is, how many kids with me y'all? Ten? Ten. And they had to be homeless for two days. They made them, they got all their cell phones, they got all their electronics so they could communicate, and they gave them $3. And they said, go down to the local Goodwill and buy you some new clothes, because that's what you're going to wear for the next few days. A dollar for pants, a dollar for a shirt, and a dollar for shoes. And they told them, you're going to have to believe God for your food. If you have a son like mine, Nathan, let me tell you, the brother, you better watch your refrigerator. Brother, if he likes something, yesterday my wife made some chili. I go, where's the cheese? Nathan ate it all. I said, bro, can't you just like save some for me? What were you thinking? Oh, yeah, your stomach was thinking. But it was cool because they went there and they went amongst the people. And the cool thing, when they had dinner, they promised them dinner. And it was kind of a cool idea they told me about. You had to come in and you had to pick a, like a popsicle stick. And the popsicle sticks were different colors. And it represented a different region around the world. And that's the kind of food they gave you. If you were American, you got a steak, a potato, ice cream, a shake. I mean, you had it made. If you were from Europe, it was a little smaller portion, but you had good food. But if you were from like India, which Nathan got a thing for, he was hoping to get the American meal. He got India. He had to eat something like some, like uh, he said, an Indian taco looking thing and some curry chicken. Okay. And what they did is they just, this is how the rest of the world lives. And Nathan just came home and said, man, I'm so grateful for what I got. Whew. You just don't see it. And so I think it's cool. How many of y'all think that's kind of cool? You know, that you go there and all of a sudden you, it's not just about you. It's about, it's about others. You see, the third thing is when you have vision, it invites unity. Working one with God in your marriage and in your children. You're not alone. You're not alone to walk this out by yourself. When godly men get together, 
There, there can be unity. Look, I've walked with my pastor for 32 years. Does that mean I've always agreed with him? Let me ask you something. Have you always agreed with your mate in your marriage? That, mean, that doesn't mean agreement, but you can agree to disagree, but you can also agree to walk in unity in certain things. Amen? If your kids have problems, guess what? You walk in unity. Amen? You don't let the enemy divide you. And see, this, the scripture says, it says, Romans says, May God who gives us this patience and encouragement help you live in a complete harmony with each other as fitting for followers of Jesus. Then all of you can join together with one voice, giving praise and glory to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. See, while the world plays games amongst the tombstones of life. How many of you have ever been to a graveyard and just look at the years and found old graves? Sometimes the family, my kids are around and my wife especially, she'll go, her and Luke were, they'd be gone to a few, they were looking for the oldest gravestones, you know. Hey, this one says 1832. And sometimes they have little quotes, good man, bad daddy. But anyway, just, I don't know. But it has things on it, you know. And so, you know, you, you know it's like, but eternity... See, when you go to a graveyard, that means there was someone there that God had given them birth. They had a purpose in life. But my question is, when I go, did they fulfill everything they were supposed to do while they're here on earth? You ever wonder that? Did they? But see, if if eternity beats in your heart, you have a purpose to work in unity. The last thing is always, prom- listen, vision always does this. It always promotes passion and it always promotes, and it promotes energy. You don't have, a, don't have passion and energy for fellowship with God, then, then where's your passion and your energy lie if it's not for God? Man, look at me this morning. I don't see the whites of your eyes. If you don't have a passion for God and the things of the kingdom, where are your passions? Where are your passions? I'm not talking about being religious. I'm not talking about showing up at church. I'm talking about being a man of God that goes, God, I need your, I need your power. I need your wisdom. Holy Spirit, direct me. Lead me. Guide me this week because I need to guide my wife and my children in the path you've called them to walk in. Listen, what woman wouldn't want to follow a man that can hear God? Amen? I mean, the one thing my wife wanted to know when we left Broussard, Louisiana, to come start a church here, she wanted to know this. Did you hear from God? Do you have a word? Bubba McCann, unless you have a word, you know, and when I looked at her, I said, baby, God told me to go, and God's given me a word. And that's all. That doesn't mean that we didn't, neither one of us agreed the whole time. Come on. When you're making a move, and you're going to the Holiday Inn, and you're just leaving a church that's growing and thriving, and you go start a church at the Holiday Inn, and the first Sunday, 19 people show up, and half of them your family. Whew. You better have a word. You better have a vision. You better have a revelation. That's all I got to say. Because can I, can I tell you something? When you have a vision, it promotes passion. This is like this. Men, if you have a vision for your marriage, there'll be passion for your wife. Now, I'm not talking about at night passion. I'm talking about passion for your wife. That she's okay. She's taken care of. She's loved. She's adored. There's good words coming in your mouth. You don't look at her and go, you old bag of dirt. That won't get you far. But you look at her and go, man, you look beautiful. 
man, you're awesome. Whoo! You're hot. It's not because the fan's not on. And I'm not talking about all those, but you know that you just, man, you're so... I can just say this. I'll just make a confession. I'm overly married. My wife is awesome. She's a great mom. She's a great wife. But she's a great friend. And I think the one thing she's always promoted and tried to promote in me, because she's always had it. She has a passion for God. She just wants me to have a passion for him. When I met her, I, I met her, I go, this girl loves Jesus more than I do. Because I heard her pray, and I thought, man, I never heard anybody pray like Tracy had prayed. And I was attracted. Yeah, I was attracted. I saw her in her bathing suit. I'll make a confession. Whew. Meshe. This Cajun blood's boiling for a Northwest girl. I had to go out of country to get her. But I'm so glad that God put us together. See, the difference between, let me just wrap it up. The difference between a a man-made and a God-given vision. A man-made vision, you create it based on your gifts and your skills. But a God-given vision is you receive it in a revelation from God. God speaks to you. God puts something in your heart. A man-made vision, its fulfillment rests on a personal drive and, 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 saying, and staying ahead of others. A God-given vision, it's, fulfill, it's fulfillment on the person's obedience to God. You find fulfillment because you're obeying God. A man-made vision, others are seen as competitors. Well, a God-given vision, others are seen as complementary. It's kind of like seasoning, kind of like slap your mama or Tony Sachery's or a little spice. So you're like, God brings those people to be spice in your life. Amen. I don't like people that are dull. Do you? Yeah, I don't. Yeah, I'm just public confession. How many like people got a little spice to them? Come on. A man-made vision, its goal is to build solely on your own interests at the expense of others. Where God-given, its goal is to serve people, serve your wife, serve your children your job honor God advance his kingdom how do you how do you birth a vision just real five little things real real easy listen first thing you gotta have intimacy with God intimacy means this look at me here's a great way to remember intimacy 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 that's intimacy intimacy that God sees you just like you are and he chooses to love you Even with your hang-ups, even with you blowing it time and time again, God still loves you. Can I just let you know that this morning? God loves you. It doesn't matter where you were born. If you were born on the east side of the Nepeke or the west side of the Nepeke. It doesn't matter if you were Thibodeau from this side or that side. The most important thing, listen to me, is you have to have intimacy. Into God you see, and into God he sees you. And through that, that there's conception. That means just like when you get intimate with your wife. Or you get intimate with your husband. You never birth. Listen, a child never happens unless you get naked. Thank God you're all wearing clothes this morning. Aren't you glad? God covers all our flaws. But, you know, it's in concept. And then gestation. There's that time. You know, you see a, a woman. I go, how you feeling? And she could be pregnant. And she goes, and you never know from day to day. 
Like when I see them, they come in, they go, how you feeling today? Whoo, pass the gas. Gas bad. You might not want to sit by me. Pastor, whoo, I'm hungry. You have anything to eat? Or you look at them and sometimes they go, I'm fine. They're, they're, like the day before they were hormonal. You know what I mean? You gave this to me. <laughs> All those different kind of things. Because there's that death chasing. And see, sometimes when God's doing something to us, we don't see it all, but there's the pains, there's the difficulties, there's the stuff that we walk through, the things that we go through. But then there's the labor. How many you ever walked through watching your wife have a baby? I think all babies that are born look like skint squirrels. There's no babies that are newborns that are cute. That's a lie. You got to give them about a month out. Because, I mean, their heads all, I mean, they, they've gone through struggle. It's all like cone head and, you know, all this stuff. And be go, oh, look how cute. I'm, Golly, that thing, you know. I'm not going to say which son it was, but I told my wife, man, he's ugly. I said, she goes, come in. I go, oh, he's baby, he's ugly. He's just ugly. Turned out to be one of our best looking children. Actually, he's sitting next to my wife this morning. Anyway, just... <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, son. I just, I like when he was first born, like, he's ugly, man. That's all I got to say. He won't, he won't come back. He's going to Lake Charles. Pastor Todd gave him all. He comes to be with us. But the last thing part of how vision is born is birth. Birth. It's not easy. It's not fun. There's There's pain. There's sorrow, there's difficulties, there's setbacks. My wife was telling me that her sister's, her sister's daughter-in-law was how many days in labor? Four days in labor. Women, how many of you look forward to that? Four days of labor. I like what Carol Burnett said. If a man wants to know what it feels like to have a baby, take your bottom lip and stretch it over your head. That's what it feels like giving birth. I don't know that's a great description, but anyway. Where do you go from here? Let me just say this. You receive what God speaks to you. You write down what God tells you. You say it. You recite it. And you run toward it. You believe God for it. You got to act. Vision has to, you have to stay in control to be the man of God. God has called you to be. Don't get sidetracked. And let me just give you this last word, and I'm done, and I'm closing the book, and that's it. But Habakkuk says it like this in chapter 2. It's a great, great picture of vision in verse 2. And it says, Then the Lord said to me, Write my answer plainly on tablets, so that a runner can carry the correct message to others. Let me tell you something. You know what the bottom line is? You know why? God has gotten a bad rap because we've had bad messengers. Are you hearing what I'm saying? People think serving God is you got to be religious and wear certain clothes and act a certain way and call everybody brother and sister. The reason people call brother and sister because they don't take the time to get to know their first name. Hallelujah, and I feel good. I just confessed it. God wants you to have your life like a big billboard. Hey, man, I know what they stand for. I know where that man walks. I know what he's like. It's write the vision and make it plain so that the person with you 
that you share with can run with it too. Listen, I've, I've learned this. I have ADD children and I have sons. I have some that you give them directions. Like, I'll give you an example. My two youngest, Luke and Olivia. Olivia is blind. Literally. Give her directions. Go brush your teeth and wash your face. She washed her face and her mom coming. I'm done. Ready for bed. Tracy's just like, did you wash your hands? Or you wash your face and did you brush? I forgot to brush my teeth. (laughs) I'll be back. And while she's there, she's looking at her fingernails and doing all these different things. You know what I mean? She's distracted. Luke is like, he remembers everything. Brush your teeth. I mean, you can give him a list. He's like, my wife will go, Luke, did you, I brush my teeth, wash my hands. Oh, by the way, I did wash my hair twice. I did. I mean, I'm not like that. Okay? I was ADD. My mama could tell me half a thing to do, and I, I don't think I could get that done. But see, the vision of your life should be so simple that people who run by you can know what you're all about. That's what he's saying. People that run with you, people that are with you, they know what you are about. And they should be able to share it with others themselves because they've run with you. They've been with you. And they know you. Men, look at me. Your children will advertise what you've put into their lives. They'll advertise it. They're the billboard. They're the byproduct of what you put in and what you lack in putting in. You know, I'm thankful for my stepfather. He's a very, very successful businessman. For many years, he was on Ducks Unlimited channel. He was the, the host for Ducks Unlimited. And he's been on hunts all over the world and all that. Just, but he started out just a poor country boy from Doucan, Louisiana. He was the oldest of, of his brothers and sisters, and his mama he had a bunch, his mama had a bunch of brothers and sisters, and he'd have to go work for them every weekend, different ones. They said he never had his own, and he had a vision that one day that he could make it on his own. And he took a step. He took a step in business, and he became very successful. I remember the first thing he told me, he said the first thing he ever, when he became successful in 1960, his, 1960, his first year in business, he made $19,000. That was big money back then. And out of that, he told me, uh, it's the Catholic Church, Our Lady Queen of Heaven, that's it, in Lake Charles, was building a parking lot. And he gave a big gift to build that parking lot. But his desire was, I don't want to be poor. I want to make a good life. And the one thing I've watched him always do, he's always tried to honor God. He's loved my mama. He's always brought great provision. And he's been a man of honor. And I, and I called him this morning and said, I just want to tell you thank you for being an example to me, a man of honor. And you know, it's great because he just said, you know, thank you for the words are great. It's great to hear those words. And he just looked at me and said, thank you for being a great dad, being a great example. And I love your boys. 
I love your family and what you guys are letting God do in your life. Can I just tell you something? However you, you live your life, people advertise for you. Amen? Man, how you living your life? Hope you live it for God. Hope you honor Him. Bless Him. I pray that God would make you miserable. Can I just say that? Until you crack the book. Until you get intimate with Him. That you allow God to impregnate you with a vision and a desire, a passion. Let me pray. Men, grab your wife's hands or your children's hands around you. If they're not here, don't grab the woman next to you either. It's kind of like that Bible study one time that my pastor was doing. And he goes, you know, they were talking about beholden. What does that mean? He goes, well, he wanted to beholden her. That's what it means, beholden. No, anyway. Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning. Thank you for every man. Now, thank you for Father's Day. Just a reminder, first of all, that you're our heavenly provider. You're our heavenly Father. You've provided. You give, you're the source of our strength. You're an incredible Father. You know what we need when we need it. And Lord, I pray that you would continue to pour out your spirit. I pray that you would raise up a spirit of the Father in this house where men would rise up to be the man you've called them to be, to be the father, to be the husband, to be the example. Men that are filled with passion for you. Men that are filled with passion for God, for their wives, for their their family. Raise them up, God, here in this house. Let us be a testimony to this community and what you're doing and how you're pouring your spirit out here amongst men. I pray that the advertisement would be this. Man, God's doing something to men over there. And because you do something to men, you're able to do something incredible through our women and our children. Lord, I pray your grace, your protection over every family here this morning. I pray your blessings over their lives and their families. I pray that, God, that you would just, you would just get favor that's just incredible over people's lives this morning. I pray you bless them as they've come in, but I pray you would bless them as they leave here today. I pray your grace and your protection and your provision and all that's needed in the mighty name of Jesus. We love you. God bless you.